Welcome to Leaning Forward, where experts come together to make schools better for, for all, all of us. us. Brought to you by the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence in partnership with educators everywhere. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Leading Forward. With us today, we have Tom Vanderark. He is an advocate for innovative learning and is the CEO of Getting Smart. He's advised schools, districts, networks, and foundations on really their path forward and innovation. In addition to that work, Tom is an author. He has visited hundreds, it's not probably Tom, thousands of schools. And he's here with us today to talk a little bit about what the future might look like, what trends he has seen, and to share with us a little bit about his latest book, Difference Making at the Heart of Learning. Tom, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us on the show. Dr. Cece, it's always a pleasure. It is so great to have you here. So, you know, in your work, you were the first executive director of education for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You also have been a superintendent and you get to see a lot of schools. Tell us a little bit what in your experience and in what you've seen has helped students be successful in their futures. Oh, that's a great question. In our new book, Difference Making, we tried to distill it down to leadership and problem solving. We think those are more important than ever. They've always been important, but as we've seen in 2020, the future is going to be full of novelty and complexity. We're going to have a lot more years like 2020 where, what just happened? I didn't expect that, uh, where kids are going to experience new and complicated things coming at them. And we believe that really calls for leadership and particularly agency, this confidence in um, knowing yourself and knowing that you can act on the world and problem solving, often design thinking, the ability to walk into complexity and know what to do first. And so we think those skills are, are going to be more important than ever. Well, it seems like the pandemic has certainly provided some opportunities to deal with complexity. Uh, has the pandemic, in your perspective, hindered or helped kind of moving students yeah, forward? Probably, with well, probably, uh, probably both. Um, it, it has created more responsive systems, right? Uh, teachers and schools and systems found that they were able to respond more quickly than they they ever thought they could. And it's probably made us a little bit better at some aspects of personalized learning. I'm afraid that it has probably reduced the amount of authentic community connected project-based learning that we'd like to see students doing. And so I'm hoping going forward that we can take advantage of some of the capabilities that we developed, but get back to doing more community connected authentic work that invites kids to do work that's important to them and their community. So you support a lot of schools in this work of, of doing that. Given the current context, what can schools do? What can leaders who are listening do in order to bring in that authentic learning? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of teachers and, and school leaders feel trapped by testing, which has created a sort of a myopic focus on grade level proficiency in reading and math by attendance and seat time requirements. And they, they feel sort of hemmed in. 
I would say to that, we appreciate your your need for compliance, but you probably have more flexibility than you'd think you do. And even within the, the credits and courses confines and the policies that we have to uh, live with, that there's ways that you can give kids more voice and choice, that you can invite them into developing or co-constructing at least portions of their day and doing more and more of that as they get older. We'd like to see high school students have a lot more agency, a lot more control over helping to build some of the projects that they're involved in. So getting a little bit more creative, taking a little bit more license and inviting students into the uh, learning design more than we have in the past. We think those are all productive parts of the path forward. So you've been engaged in this sort of personalized learning work in in various facets, both supporting schools. I know you've been on the board of the Aurora Institute, formerly INACOL. So you see the value of technology, but I heard you say a minute ago that some folks are sort of getting uh, pinned in by that and are not being as innovative. Uh, Yeah, I, I really think about schools, particularly secondary schools now as best conceived as a combination of skill sprints and projects. That Mm -hmm. these individual skill sprints, think of it as um, personalized learning often conducted in a workshop model, often using adaptive learning software for individual skill development, but also combining that with uh, small group instruction where the goal is really accelerated skill development. And then combining that with longer work, often connected, community-connected, uh, project-based learning, some of those individual projects, some, some team-based projects, and thinking about that as the new construct for school and less uh, being less locked into the, the, the courses and credits, the master schedule that sort of dominated the last 100 years of secondary education. Isn't that so true? I feel like we've become such creatures of of habit even more now that people are trying to recreate the original school day but on zoom and it's it's not working for kids no it's it's terrible and i i've seen so many seven and eight period days and 43 minutes and kids on zoom and it's it's you know i i would say that the addition of video conferencing this year was mostly great. It, it, it is useful occasionally to have synchronous learning experiences, but using it to, to try to recreate school at a distance is a horrible learning design experience for kids. It's like taking a bad high school class and putting it on video. It's just, it's awful. So use synchronous for when it makes sense. Use it for advisory periods when you really want to focus on small group relationships, but, uh, but boy, don't try to do a, a video algebra class. I know. <laughs> it, it has been hard. You know, uh, I have little ones at home. I know you're a grandparent and you have a little one cruising around and there's so much curiosity that doesn't quite match with the Zoom format. No, I, my, my granddaughter uh, had a substitute shouting at her yesterday for taking a drink during class and it's like come on what what are we focusing on here it's uh 
you know, with a five-year-old, you'd want to encourage creativity and curiosity. So it looks like in some shape or form, though, technology's here to stay and it can do some really great things. And I know there's some people that have made it work. You have visited more schools than any other person that I know. Uh, Who's doing this work really well or who can offer us some inspiration? Well, I I think there's a lot of San Diego districts and networks that have really been at the the forefront. I know that Summit uh, Public Schools um, didn't miss a beat when switching to to virtual learning, and they have a very robust personalized learning system. Uh, District like Fresno, great example of a robust personalized learning system where they were quickly able to make the shift. Our friends uh, at Cajon Valley, a K-8 district in East San Diego, great example of taking their personalized learning and their world of work into a, a, a virtual environment. So we are seeing the districts that were focused on personalized learning uh, who paid attention to, to technology access really did thrive during the uh during the transition. The other one I would add would be Lindsay USD. We have featured them on our site and appreciate that over a weekend, they made the shift and built in a big professional learning video conference to get their teachers ready. So lots of great examples in California of folks that have been agile and effective in the transition. Nice. And most of these folks, I know you've highlighted and folks can access your articles for free on getting smart, right? Where can people sort of go and immerse themselves in reading about these different organizations to get some ideas for their community? We featured about 30 schools and districts in our new book, Difference Making. Take a look at that. On gettingsmart.com, we featured schools every day that are thriving and doing great jobs of combining personalized learning and project-based learning. We're also helping Texas schools in their transition. And the Texas Learning Exchange is an example of a project that highlights schools and systems that are thriving amidst the, the, the chaos that we're going through. So those are a couple of places to look. Great. Well, I want to talk more about difference making because really you've taken everything that you've seen and sort of picked these 30 schools and systems to offer some inspiration. What's your hope that people will take away when they read your book? Yeah, it, it's, it, I don't know, Nicole, it's such an interesting conclusion to have come from. I, I, I started this with a, a Hewlett grant five years ago to study artificial intelligence. And when I, I looked at what was happening quietly, that, that exponential technology was entering every sector, I concluded that, as we said at the uh, outset, that our young people are going to experience so much new and complicated stuff, novelty and complexity, that it really accelerates the need for them to build this centered uh, self-knowledge, the ability to know yourself, to understand who you are, what your interests and your, your passions and your values, and then to be able to, to pick good projects to work on. And we found that young people that were able to do projects that were important to them and their community 
really developed both leadership and problem solving and also developed a sense of agency. So it turned out to be a super efficient way to build the skills that are most important. So in some respects, while I had for 20 years been thinking about preparation, what do kids need to know for 15 years down the road, that actually making a difference in your community today might be the most important way to prepare kids for the future because it's uh, it's a way of unlocking their superpowers and building agency and, and leadership. And we think those are going to be the most important things in the future. Well, I love the idea of unlocking your superpower. Uh, I want my kid to unlock his superpower. So right? what That's can... what it's about. Absolutely. That's what we all so... want for our kids. And... Uh, want them to come out of this current situation ready and prepared and whole, right? Is the word yeah, that comes to mind right. for me. Totally. But That's so what's what, really important. What advice do you have for my kids, superintendent? I mean, you you were a superintendent. You know, the job is crazy. It's never done. You are, you know, working with your teachers, with your principals. You've got the board. You've got policy that we mentioned. Yeah. How can superintendents I, I think of it and as, leaders... I think it's like four full-time jobs, right? So it's super difficult. And, and the last 12 months have been the, diff- the most difficult in modern history. So, you know, first I want to say thank you to everybody that has decided to lead a school or a system. You're doing a good thing with your life. It's the most important calling that's out there. And so I think both Nicole and I deeply appreciate your leadership. What I would say is that you have a community conversation, that you have to invite your community in to have this conversation about how has the world changed and as a result, what do kids need to know and be able to do and what kind of experiences might we create that would help foster the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are most important. What what I think we have found out is that you can't do important work without having built that support in the community, without having that conversation, because you'll get fired. You'll get out uh, over your skis and do work that isn't well supported by your community. The flip side of it is if you have that conversation, your community, whether it's well-resourced or not, will come to a new set of agreements on broader aims that are relevant and important for young people today. We've seen it hundreds of times over all over the United States. So trust your community, trust the process, have the conversation. It will build the foundation for doing important and innovative work. Right now, given that we've adopted Zoom as such an easy way to get people together, it feels like almost an easier time to unite people and get them on a call. They don't need to commute to your office. You just sort of send them a link. Am I wrong about that? I miss doing this in person and getting pizza and having kids uh, play music and meeting people and having this conversation in person. But yes, we've got some great, great new tools. I, I do think committing to lots of meetings where you can get to small enough group size that you can actually listen to people and make a real connection can be important. But use a variety of tools. Use your email blast. Use survey tools. Like if you use remind.com, there's a bunch of great survey tools that you can use. Use those and do Zoom calls, but use all those ways of outreach, of creating 
a, a dialogue with your community about what's important. You brought up tools and I know you're asked this question all the time. I'm asked this question all the time. Like, so what's your favorite tool? But you mentioned remind.com. What else is sort of on your list that superintendents should be kind of keeping an eye out for? What are some of the promising practices and tools that can lighten the lift? So uh, if you haven't built a dashboard around broader aims, you need to do that. Your district needs to not just be focused on reading and math, although those are obviously table stakes, they're basic skills that are critically important, but build a dashboard around the outcomes that matter most to you and your community, your employers, and then find new ways to measure those. Make sure that you're using great adaptive tools. There are a dozen really terrific K-8 adaptive tools in both reading and uh, mathematics, everybody should be using at least one of those in both reading and math as part of your blended learning program. Every district should have a robust learning management system. None of them do all the things that I'd like to see. None of them are good enough at project-based learning. None of them do the competency tracking. But uh, if you haven't adopted one, you certainly need that. And then look for new tools that engage students in doing interesting and important work. There's a lot of great tools like Flipgrid that help kids express themselves in uh, creative ways. There's some interesting new tools that support project-based learning like Headrush. We just uh, reviewed them on Getting Smart this week. So look for those tools that support uh, meaningful student engagement. And then finally, Help kids collect their personal best in a portfolio. You, you can buy a product or you can just use Google Drive and, and help them set up a, a portfolio where they can capture their best work. So you clearly have really great aspirations for what districts can do. I often hear people say, gosh, I just want things to go back to the way they were. I know we all hear that. I see you cringing yeah, but, over there. Did you, did I you, cringe too. Well, did, you, did you sit through an algebra class last year? I mean, that wasn't great. Uh, what we were doing was not working for most American kids. Most kids were not fully engaged or not getting the skills they needed. So, hey, a year ago, we needed to do a lot better. You can't go back to what we had. It's really time right now to think about how, how do we spring forward to something new and better we have an article coming out on Friday about summer learning. Think hard about summer as a bridge to something better in the fall. Uh, it's a great time to spend 60 days right now thinking about how can we use the summer as a bridge to something better in the fall. So think about it as iterative development, a way to test and try maybe some new apps, some new strategies, more student engagement, more voice and choice, more community connected project-based learning this summer. When I love that you brought up summer, right? Because so often we use the summer to become this sort of dry, uh, painful recovery process. No no math gulags. I I know people are worried about learning loss, but the worst thing you could do would be to put kids into a drill and kill a math course that will make them hate school. So be thoughtful, be creative, meet kids where they are, develop relationships, look for thoughtful ways to 
build skill development, but interesting application opportunities. So be creative, be thoughtful, connect with kids. And I would add to that and read Tom's book because he's got lots of more great ideas. We're here today with Tom Vandrark from Getting Smart. Tell people again where they can get your book and where else they can learn more and follow you so they can stay tuned to all the things you talked about. Yeah, this is a great book by Corwin. You can find it on the Corwin site. Uh, it's also at Amazon, Difference Making at the Art of Learning. You can find us at gettingsmart.com. I'm on Twitter every day at T. Vanderark. Would also love to exchange recipes on Instagram at epic.veg, where I, I share my, my favorite. Uh, I've been cooking like crazy, Nicole. I didn't know that about you. I feel like now oh, I need yeah. to follow you on Instagram and get some recipe ideas. Right. I want anybody has good veg recipes. Let me know. Eat I'll healthy. keep an eye out. Save Cut. the planet. Here, here. Thank you for joining us. I know that our leaders and listeners love hearing from you. So hopefully we'll see each other soon in person. You mentioned over pizza. I'll take that. I hope so. Nicole, it's been a treat reconnecting. Look forward to seeing you in person. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for joining us on Leading Forward. Thank you for listening. And thank you for making education better for For all of us. Leading Forward is a companion to the CCEE Field Guide for Accelerating Learning, Equity, and Well-Being. And produced by Copernicus Solutions. For more information, visit www.ccee-ca.org.